Welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. In this series, Simon Barrington and Johnny Abbott are joined each week by emerging leaders from the millennial generation. Today, our guest is Tom Christmas. Tom is the founder and director of Just Love, a movement of students who are passionate about justices. Hey, welcome back to the Millennial Leadership Podcast. My name is Johnny Abbott. I'm the co-host here, uh, and I'm with Simon Barrington, who heads up Forge Leadership Consultancy. Hi, Simon. Hi. And we are here today having a conversation with Tom Christmas. Hey, uh, Tom, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, not a problem at all. Tom, we're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions about just love and about leadership and about millennials and leadership and about some of your thoughts around uh, some of the research that's been going on. But before we do that, uh, just got uh, the, the biggest question that everyone's already going to be asking, which is about your name. Yeah. So Tom Christmas, fantastic name. What is the best and the worst joke you have ever heard about that surname? <laughs> Can I ask that? Is that allowed? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I feel like most people just go for the same few jokes around, okay. is your dad Father Christmas? Or if you became a Catholic priest? <laughs> Or names of children is another common one. My name is Johnny Abbott, and people keep on saying I should name my son Peter, so it'll be Peter Very Abbott. Good. But um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I think you probably have it way harder than I do. Maybe. But Tom, you're the uh, the national coordinator of Just Love. Uh, just uh, being able to go through some of the website and go through some of what you do sounds so exciting. Can you just give us an insight a little bit to what that involves? What is Just Love? Give us the story around that. Uh, the story um, probably goes back about six years now. So. When I was in my first year of university, I arranged over the summer to spend a couple of weeks in Durban in South Africa, working with kids who were living on the streets, um, and was just hugely affected by those few weeks. Uh, I think we would spend a lot of the time having quite a nice time. We'd do the fun things like play football, hang out, have, have fun with the kids. But hearing the stories of some of what they were going through, um, they had issues with the the police would would beat the kids, throw them in the back of vans, drive them out of the city centre so that the streets were clean for tourists. Um, there was one day in particular that's been really memorable for me, where this young teenage girl had gone missing, and they sent out a few teams of people to to locate her. And we found maybe close to a hundred people sleeping rough by this old railway, and they were kind of explaining that there was this this new drug in the city um, called Wunga, which was so addictive and so damaging to their health, but this guy I was talking to was completely hooked on it and it was it was it was killing him and it was all he could think about and he was really stressed out. We were having this really difficult conversation. Um and this kind of sleek black BMW with tinted windows kind of creeps over towards us. And it's not the part of the city where you'd expect to see that kind of car. But he just kind of said it's fine. They're just the people who sell us the drugs. Um and I remember being so angry that these people over here were suffering and dying so that these people could afford a nice car. Um, and it was over the course of those few weeks, I also read a book called The Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne, which was all about Christianity and justice. Um, and I just was so fired up about there's so much injustice in the world. There's billions of people below the poverty line. There's tens of millions of victims of trafficking there's hundreds of people sleeping rough in oxford where i'm studying um and each one of them is made in the image of god who says that worship is to loose the chains of injustice and that whatever we do for the least of our brothers and sisters we do for him so i kind of came back to university feeling like i was on a bit of a mission to get involved with something and it was 
not something I'd done loads of before, this social justice stuff, this engaging with people on the margins. Um, so I kind of expected that there would be a bunch of things going on and that I just hadn't looked for them yet. But uh, I did hear that there was this homeless outreach project run by Christians. So I went along to that uh, and I was the only person there apart from the girl leading it. And then my church, which was a big church, hundreds of students, was running a kind of anti-slavery day demonstration. Um, and they'd been asking for helpers. So I went along to that and there were no other students there. And I just felt really frustrated that there were hundreds of people really passionate about faith and about living for God at university, but that no one really seemed to be doing social justice, which I'd kind of had this moment over the summer of, this is a huge part of what it's about. This is this is something we all need to engage with. So I eventually found kind of 10 or so others who shared this passion for justice, but felt a bit isolated. And we thought, well, we could go and volunteer somewhere by ourselves, but actually what if every Christian student shared this biblical passion for justice and did something about it? And wouldn't it make so much more of a statement to our campuses if all Christians were known for a radical and sacrificial love for people on the margins? And couldn't we make so much more of a difference to our city if there were hundreds of us who wanted to volunteer and wanted to campaign and wanted to fundraise and pray for some of these big issues? And actually, as we dreamt beyond I guess our couple of years at university and just that one city, our dream was really to see a whole generation of thousands graduate having been equipped to lead and envisioned to pursue Jesus and justice for the rest of their lives so that they could go and transform communities, transform the industries they worked in, give generously, consume ethically, and just relentlessly pursue justice wherever they ended up. Wow. <laughs> Tell you what, if yeah, like I'm sitting here and it's making me want to quit my job, quit my life, and come and work <laughs> for you, but um, that sounds amazing, Tom. It really does. And so, uh, second year of university, you come back, you get involved with all these different mm. things, you uh, have this frustration, and then you set up Just Love. I mean, where does that even start? I mean, you know, do you, do you Google how you do that? Like, what? How did it? How did it become? All, all millennials just Google everything. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I was like. <laughs> I mean, how do you find something where there's not a Wikipedia page for it? But, but, but what? How did that happen? What was the? What were the practical steps in order to create? In order to create this, this slightly more official movement of, of just love? yeah. I think um, I needed a team around me, so a lot of it was finding other people who shared that passion and meeting in a room with them and working out what to do. Uh, and I think it was also really important to build relationships with other groups and work out what was going on and where we fitted. So um, both kind of chatting to the Christian Union and some of the churches with a lot of students about where does this fit? Why aren't people doing it already? Is there space for something else? How would you support it if something else did start? Having a lot of those conversations. And then I think people like Tear Fund and older charities. Um, I was lucky enough to know someone who was on the Tear Fund youth team at the time, who's now on our board called Joe Herbert. Um, and she was really helpful. There was another guy called Pete Winter who ran a charity called One Life, which is about developing kind of young Christian leaders. He was really helpful. So I think I just, I mean, I was kind of obsessed with wanting to do something social justice related. So I just talked to everyone I could about it. Um, and then it got to the stage where it's like, okay, you can't just spray out this kind of just do justice Christian something. You need to come up with like a concrete vision and some concrete goals of what you want to achieve and work out what success looks like and then kind of plan it from there. But there was quite a long process of 
I suppose I can tell a story now of, oh, we sat down and we had this vision. It was a little bit messier than that. We were confused for quite a long time. Mm. But I think it was about building relationships, building a team and setting a vision for some different things we wanted to achieve. I love that. I think that's brilliant. And particularly when with that sort of question, it might be so easy to be like, oh, we needed a website, but you, <laughs> you were way, way out of that. You were mm. thinking, uh, what can I do? Who can I get around me? Uh, just think that's uh, just think that's mm. awesome. Uh, and so what are maybe the uh, specific things, the specific things that, that would uh, that you would do within your week uh, as part of Just Love? Now it's hugely varied. Um, so we've got a staff team of eight now and there's uh, there's groups in kind of 19 different cities, but three or four more on the way. So I still do a little bit of direct work with students. So there's a kind of student leadership committee in each city who are responsible for delivering the vision of inspiring and releasing every Christian student to pursue the biblical call to social justice. And so I'll sometimes go and meet up one-to-one with those various leaders in each city and talk them through their strategy and how they communicate it and how they build community and how the team dynamics are going and all sorts of different things. So there's still some student-facing work, uh, but I'm now also managing some people on a team. So helping them to get the best out of themselves and work out where their strengths are. Um, and there's now, of course, there's there's fundraising and inviting other people to come and be a part of what we're doing in that way and partnering with other organizations. And I think one of the most exciting things at the moment is um, we've now got an alumni network of people who were involved as students, but kind of want this to be a, a lifelong ongoing thing. So whether they're in politics or business or the church, um, still connecting them with each other and with people who've gone before them in those industries to be like, what would it look like to to have influence and pursue justice in this area? So I, I work with the alumni network a bit as well. There's not really a set day to day. It's pretty varied. <laughs> It sounds very varied and very exciting as well. Um, what have you learned about leadership, Tom, over those six years? Or put it another way, what do you wish someone had told you six years ago that you know now about leadership? I think maybe one of the key things is that leadership is not about being really successful in all your own tasks. Um, of course, leading by example is good, but particularly in a context like Just Love, where it's about different people all over the country influencing other people. So much of the key is how to bring the best out of others around you. And I think being a, a leader who multiplies other leaders, I think is much more exciting and enjoyable than feeling like it's all on you. And I think it's also better for whatever cause you're involved with, because it's not just you doing the stuff and people watching you, it's loads of you doing it all together. Um, so I think empowering others and multiplying leaders is probably the key thing. Uh, what are the kind of really practical things that you do to enable that to happen? So talk, talk us through some really practical stuff that you actually do. Uh, there's a model that we use, which is from the guy I mentioned earlier, Pete Winter, who founded the charity One Life, called Safety Nets and Tightropes, um, which is the principle of people want to feel su- supported, so you need to have a number of safety nets in place like a culture of encouragement where you're working out really specific things that you see that are good in other people and calling them out, like training on various different skills and character and stuff like that, mentoring and accountability where you've got kind of one-to-one chatting through things with people, helping them process, helping them unlock different strengths. But people also need tight ropes. They need opportunities to lead in a real way and a high-risk way, and they need opportunities to express their own vision and put their ideas into your vision, and they need to lead in places where they're uncomfortable, not just the places they're used to leading 
and building a whole bunch of things around those principles um, is generally how we try and do things. So, yeah. Have you ever felt guilty about leaving the office at five to go and work on your side project? Or found the pace of your team strangely slow? The good news is you're not alone. Leading the Millennial Way, a new book co-authored by Forge's own Simon Bounds and Rachel Lutchford. It draws upon original research to identify the current landscape you're leading in, the shared marks from millennial leaders and the impact you have on your sphere of influence. Leading the Millennial Way is being published by SPCK on the 18th of April and you can pre-order the book on Amazon today. That's brilliant. I mean, interesting in the in the research, one of the recommendations we made was was uh, for leaders to create environments of high support and high challenge, which sounds very similar, actually, doesn't it, to your safety nets and tightrope. So, uh, this concept of actually, you know, most of us want to take risks and we want to try things, we want to learn through failure, but actually creating the support network that allows that to happen is 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 deeply challenging as well. Now, I know you've read the research, and in fact, you were part of uh, being interviewed by Rachel uh, for the research. Um, as you read it, I, I know you've reflected a little bit on how the church prepares leaders for different sectors of society. I know one of the struggles we had in doing the research was actually getting to people who were Christians, are Christians, and are leading in in private sector and public sector. And there was this big gap between church leaders and, and the people in their congregations and what they were doing. Reflect a little bit um, for us on that and the challenges that you see in that space. Yeah, I think, I guess I kind of spotted that that was a challenge that you'd come across and probably related it related to it as one that we've come across as well um where when you get people passionate about their faith and in our case passionate about justice um then sometimes maybe people take that even if it's unspoken as okay i need to be in a a job that makes a difference in a very direct way and people can interpret that as well then i need to go and work for a charity or a christian organization or a church um but actually, I think we've started speaking up more now and saying, don't necessarily default to those places. Um, you can default to business or law or politics or something else where actually you might be able to have more influence. Um, I think that people who go into politics are really exciting from our network. That feels like a really encouraging place. And I think like unless the culture of businesses and finance and some of that stuff changes, we won't see transformation across society we, d- we won't see justice people need to be in there as well um, people need to be earning and giving that's really important um, people need to be in industries where they can make an impact over the long term not just doing something that, that feels nice now and sometimes a church internship or, or a charity job is right for someone um, but often I think we need to be open to looking out across the sectors to other things and try and inspire people with a vision of what it could look like if lots of Christians flooded some of these different sectors and had influence and shaped it to look how it could look because I think pretty much every industry can be a huge force for good um, it's just choosing to shape it in that way. No, it's brilliant. I mean, one of the things in, in my church in Ipswich that the senior pastor has just started doing is 
is bringing together um, Christians who are working in private and public sector to support them and encourage mm. them. Um, what, what models do you see happening in churches and in Just Love that are, are supporting Christians to be able to, to live out their that justice, Jesus and justice, I love that phrase, Jesus and justice lifestyle mm. um, in, in society day to day. Because I mean, I spent 14 years in the corporate world and it, it, it's hard work. So what, 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 what do you see being put in place? What inspires you? Yeah, maybe a couple of different things. Um, uh, I've been going to church at HTB and they've got the Leadership College London, which is all about training Christians to be exceptional leaders in every sphere of society. Um, and I did a kind of little taste of course for that. And that was really good, bringing in people who'd been across all sorts of different disciplines and industries and reflecting on their leadership journeys and trying to equip the next generation for that. We've, we're kind of in the process of starting off some little groups of people who've graduated in the last couple of years who are involved in Just Love, who are now in some of those different spheres. So there's a politics one that's taken off really well, where there's quite a lot of people now working in either parliament or the civil service or think tanks or looking to do that and are all starting to meet just every month or two so it's not too time intensive and maybe just hear from and pray for each other or bring in someone who's a little bit further down the line on that and go what does it look like actually for us to transform politics and for a bunch of christians to take our values into politics and fight for justice in that sector and just also in the process of doing that for places like business and law and others and I've been really struck by talking to some of the people who are going to head up our business and law stuff in particular about how hard a lot of a lot of that stuff does sound. And I think we, yeah, you can work long hours in the charity sector and there's challenges to, to that as well. But some of the challenges they're coming across in law and business, it feels like having a support network of other people who have the same values and have the same passions and are kind of in it for the long haul to see transformation in that sphere, I think that that's going to be great for just keeping each other going and spurring them on to to do good things brilliant now um one of the other things that you reflected on in in the research was you know what do we look for in leaders and and how do we invest in leaders i mean what's your recruitment look like process look like because johnny wants a job so <laughs> <laughs> so, so so if you were going to interview johnny yeah <laughs> which i would highly recommend that you do what, what would you look for in him or a uh, female leader what, what would you be looking for um, and how's that changed over time as well yeah uh, I've probably now got uh, maybe like four fundamental things I look for and then at least one kind of skill on top of that so the fundamentals are probably uh, integrity which was the the top one on your list but just making sure that what the person believes and what they say really matches with their lifestyle and their behavior, even when that's really hard. Oh, and how do you, how do you test that out in your interview process? Do you have a way of doing that? I think, I don't think we've cracked how to do that in the context of an interview. We're often very lucky and a lot of the people who apply have been leading just love in, in universities for a couple of years. So we've kind of right. seen it, okay. so, but, yeah. but also yeah. for people who apply externally, I think it's trying to get a sense from references and, looking at I think kind of comparing your CV and your cover letter if you're saying you've got all these passions have you have you done things um or are you just saying it and then I think you can probe a little bit in an interview but it's probably just something you learn over time yeah yeah I've not cracked out to spot it in five minutes but sometimes you get a bit of a sense (laughs) don't you I I don't know 
if you do crack it, trade. Yeah, it. we'll let you know. And tell us all. Let well. us know first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So in, in, in integrity, what, what, what are the other Yeah, three? I think uh, I like passion and in our context, a passion for, for this vision, um, which is sometimes different to just a general passion for a justice issue. I think there's some people who are really passionate about climate change or trafficking or something like that. But for us, I guess it's a passion for seeing a whole generation grasp that vision and go out and lead for it. Um, then emotional intelligence, are they kind of self-aware and aware of others and aware of how they come across and how different people will perceive them and how different people are reacting to things? Uh, that seems to be something that can really multiply a whole bunch of other skills if you just have that foundation. Um, and a desire to learn, are they always wanting to get better and find out new things and work out their strengths and that kind of stuff? And it feels like all of those will multiply other skills. Um, if you're passionate and you want to learn and you're emotionally intelligent, you can grow in strategy or in communication or in developing other leaders and in all of that stuff. And integrity kind of feels like a cap on how much your skills matter. Because I think people will stop following you if they don't believe you after a certain point. Um, but then probably on top of that, I'm looking for someone who's got potential in strategic thinking or communication or building relationships or organization or a bunch of other like more competency base skills on top of that i think there's still the safety nets and tightropes principle uh, but we also kind of encourage everyone to think through with their manager a personal development plan which will often revolve around picking two or three areas that they want to develop in more often leaning towards strengths but maybe with one weakness in there and then come up with things to read or watch or other people to go and meet and learn from um, and have a little bit of budgeted time each week to spend on that and calls with a line manager to process it. And we'll kind of try and break down different competencies. So if someone wants to grow in communication, be like, okay, what are all the different aspects of communication? What's your style? What makes you good? Okay, you love telling stories. Why is that good? What stories have stuck with you? What stories work and don't work? Can you go and try this out? And just, I guess, intentionally carving out quite a lot of space uh, to help people develop and help people break down what different parts of leadership is because it's such a all-encompassing there's so many different aspects to leadership and there's so many different aspects to every aspect of that it's but I think the more you break it down the more people can break through okay there's that little thing that's holding me back that's a small part of that broader competency I think yeah I'm sure we don't always do it perfectly because we're still quite new to it but it feels like there's been some breakthroughs from that Hey, Tom, uh, so interesting to hear everything that's going on. So excited for uh, all that you're doing with Just Love, uh, everything that's going to be uh, achieving in the future and being great listening to all of the, the leadership wisdom you've been giving us and to the listeners as well. Uh, we want to wrap up with these two questions. These two questions are, are ones that we try and ask everybody and uh, really think give a whole bunch of light to, uh, yeah, what it's like to be a millennial in leadership. Uh, and so to wrap up the podcast, I want to ask you uh, these. The first one is, what's the biggest tension that you live with uh, in your leadership? I think it's a tension between, on the one hand, thinking about kind of big vision and impact and kind of ambition towards good things like justice and transformation and wanting to chase after that in a big way and see a lot of things happen. But the tension between kind of that and like welfare and rest and humility and not expecting too much of yourself and working out kind of where's the line of what's a good level of kind of ambition and hard work and what's 
too much and is unhealthy and sets a bad example because I think it's really easy to push yourself too hard and burn out and feel stressed and anxious. So it's just trying to find that line of, I really want to dream big and see things happen and use my life for good, but I also want to do it in a sensible way that doesn't mean I'm too tired by 27, 28 to keep going. So that can be a tension. Uh, and if you found any helpful tools to help you draw that line or identify when you're getting close to it? I think kind of with it, within a team, being quite open about how you're doing and whether you're feeling stressed and different people kind of watching each other's timesheets and going, you're working too hard, you're never taking your your time off, you need to have a rest. Um, and one of the guys on my team, Josh, has done a lot of research into time management and some of the theology behind rest and limits and Sabbath. Um, and so we've been working through that a bit as a team, which has been really good. It's, it's, on, the, it's on the resources part of the website, actually, justloveuk.com. Easy, okay. justloveuk.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, feels like there's another two hours of conversation we could have and, and learn from, uh, from you, but uh, we only have one more question we can ask you, and, and, and that's this. What's your greatest excitement and greatest fear when it comes to leading? I think greatest excitement, I touched on multiplying other leaders before, I think is when I have a meeting with someone who's got all those fundamentals that we're looking for. They're emotionally intelligent, they're passionate, they've got integrity. You can see they've got a leadership potential, but no one's really invested in them yet and their confidence is not that high yet. And they're kind of saying, I don't really know if I can do this. I don't know if I've got any skills. And just now having seen it a few times, knowing that um, with the right investment, that person is just going to be able to have such an influence during their time at university and beyond, I think. Yeah, seeing other people start to step into the potential that they have is the biggest excitement. I guess the biggest fear is kind of related in that we maybe get this comment sometimes with just love of it's great that you're all really passionate in your early mid-20s, but ultimately most of you will settle down and lose your ambition and lose your drive and just be happy to kind of have a, have a normal life. Um, and I think that fear that I guess the many different pressures of life will get on top of me and the others around me. And we, we might not fulfill the potential that hopefully we have at this stage. So Tom Christmas, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's really encouraging to see all this stuff on um, millennial leaders because there's a lot of potential there. Uh, there certainly is. And we found that through the, um, uh, through the research, actually, a deep, deep commitment to fairness and justice, deep commitment mm. to purpose and pursuing it, deep commitment to uh, relationship um, and recognizing the tensions that are involved as well. But, but huge potential and great to see what you're doing in, in investing in younger leaders and bringing them through. So, Tom, thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more details on all of the Millennial Leadership Research, visit millennial-leadership.com. And don't forget to catch up on the Forge Leadership Podcast at forge-leadership-podcast.com.